the latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network podcast, and here's your host, Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome to the AgCom Network podcast. We are in the fourth episode for this podcast, and I am so excited. We have a great guest on today, Greg Horstmeyer from DPN, the Progressive Farmer. He's all the way in Omaha, and I'm here in Champaign at the University of Illinois College of Aces. And Greg, I love how we can come on this live stream and be so many miles away, but still talk to each other and then talk to a huge audience. So I'm absolutely this is this is a great format and I applaud you guys for for doing these for AAEA. This is really great. Yes. I'm so excited to see where this can go. Greg, go ahead if you want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, um, where you're from and how you got involved with agriculture and journalism. Sure. So uh, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, as you said, uh, the newsroom uh, for DTN, the progressive firm, the digital newsroom is here in Omaha. Um, we have reporters obviously scattered all over the place and the, the magazine newsroom is in Birmingham, Alabama. From here, we have reporters. We have our team of, of commodity analysts that do our commodity strategies for us. We have our senior meteorologist is here. Uh, most of our our working meteorologists are in our headquarters in Burnsville, Minnesota. Um, and so really all the content uh, that goes onto the digital DTM platforms is generated from here. So our editors and reporters are all here as well. I um, grew up on a livestock farm, our livestock and crop farm in Missouri. Uh, put myself partially through college with hogs and cattle. Um, so uh, got interested in journalism in kind of an oddball way, had to take a final class, uh, needed a English credit, couldn't fit in the class that I wanted to take. So uh, the only thing that would fit my schedule was the high school newspaper. So took that, ended up being ed becoming editor of that, really got hooked on uh, journalism and sort of went to the University of Missouri, got a degree in ag journalism with an emphasis in photo photojournalism, which I don't really do anymore, but mm -hmm. but that was kind of what was my first love. Um, but um, bounced around some various uh, magazines and things over the years and ended up at DTN. So Greg, I'm kind of curious because I'm only um, 23 years old. So I'm fresh out of college. I graduated in May of 2017 here from the U of I. And I'm kind of curious about getting how you got your first job, how you went about it, what things did you have to do to prepare for the interview, if you remember, just kind of what did it feel like to apply for your first job and prepare for that? Yeah, well, I can give some advice on preparing for an interview. My first interview was kind of odd because it wasn't an interview, um, but there's a lesson in that. I uh, happened to be a senior at the University of Missouri and working uh, on the newspaper photo staff and doing some other things. And the gentleman, Larry Harper, uh, who became my first boss, um, we ran into each other in a number of meetings and things that were going on on campus that he was participating in. And I was there either participating in the meeting or actually working the meeting, shooting the meeting for the newspaper or whatever. And um, so my first interview was really him observing me working um, when they had a position come open at the Missouri Realist, I applied for it because I was always a place I wanted to work. Mm -hmm. um, but I uh, 
uh, and went in for an, a formal interview. But in, in the beginning of the process, um, he said, look, I've been interviewing you for months watching you work. Um, I just need to get a few things figured out to make sure I'm going to hire you and then I want to hire you. So, so a lesson in that, and yeah. especially for, you know, you folks that are, that are new to the business or even if you're uh, old to the business like me, but looking for a new job, um, you know, we're always being interviewed. And so if you're at uh, the Ag Media Summit that's coming up in, in Scottsdale or other places where potential bosses might be, you know, just remember, you're always on. So <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting lesson. I was glad, I, I guess I was glad I behaved myself and performed well, or otherwise I probably would have never gotten the interview. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but to prepare, you know, for the interview, especially in a, in a normal way, um, I mean, it's all about being a good reporter and doing your homework. Um, you know, learn who the people are that are going to interview you. If it's one person or if it's a team of people, sometimes you'll be interviewed by several people. You know, know as much as you can about them and know as obviously as much as you can about the organization you're going to work yeah. for. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is just do your homework. I really like that, how you said we're always being interviewed, especially I think as journalists specifically or editors um, mm, right. always being interviewed. doesn't necessarily, I think, always mean you have to be on, but you always have to be listening as well when you're, exactly. whether you're in a job interview or whether you are just in your everyday job. And I always say um, everyone's a communicator. No matter what job you have in the ag industry or if you're outside the ag industry, everyone has to have communication skills. So I think that's great advice for someone is you're, we're always being interviewed one way or the other through a conversation. That's good advice. Thank you. So kind of from there, talking about getting your first job, how did you build up to where you are now? Because you're the editor in chief, correct? Mm -hmm. At DTN. Right. Right. So tell me a little bit how you built up to that. I enjoy writing and I, I don't get to do that as much as I used to in, in a position like this. You're more in charge of everybody. And, you know, as I always say, the most exciting thing I get to write anymore is budgets <laughs> <laughs> and HR reports and things like that. But I, I mean, I do have a blog that I don't get to contribute to nearly enough, but, but it's making the switch. I think one of the things you're kind of getting to there is making the switch from being a reporter and becoming a manager, uh, an editor, uh, one, one of the bosses is a, uh, something that, you know, I think you either want to do it or you don't. Um, I have had the pleasure of working for some really good bosses in my past and um, just the more I worked for people that I admired and saw how they uh, worked with the staff, uh, the more that became of an interest to me. You know, I just really, I still love to write. I still love to shoot photography when I get a chance to do it. Working with a team, especially with young writers or new writers, uh, we have folks here at DTN that had years in the business of journalism, but not necessarily in agriculture. So helping them grow, helping them learn about things, um, really just became as exciting to me as, as writing things myself, honestly. Um, because I have seen situations where, you know, maybe bosses weren't so great and things sort of fell apart or or where staffs started to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've seen the goods and bads of that. And I I kind of put it upon myself to to want to want to be part of that. Um, you know, the way I became editor here at DTN, I started as a, as a reporter uh, covering the crops uh, world. And um, uh, the editor-in-chief at that time, Urban Laner, uh, was getting ready to retire. And, you know, a couple of folks uh, asked if, they, if I was going to throw my hat in the ring. And, 
to be honest, the decision was, do I want to be the boss or do I not want to know, or do I, will I not know who my boss is going to be <laughs> because they were, yeah. you know, either going to hire from in or hire outside. And so I really, um, uh, I thought, well, this is the opportunity to, to, uh, well, number one, run a top-notch operation. I mean, urban, we call it the house that urban built around here, mm -hmm. um, but super team and, and super organization. And the chance to continue that was, I mean, really the chance of a lifetime. And I've, I've loved every minute of it. You kind of talked about this, talking about building up a team. How did you, when you became editor-in-chief, how did you build up a team of writers? That's a really good question. Um, and I mean, some of the folks were here, although we've had some people leave and, and I've been mm -hmm. doing some hiring from, from time to time. But you, you hit on it. And one of the biggest things is to try to not have eight of the same people, you know, I mean, try to try to get some diversity in experience, in age, in gender, in everything that you can have. Because I've learned that, you know, we, we just, we all grow when we get a chance to work with people that are different than maybe whom we've worked with before. The number one thing I look for here and really anywhere that where I've been a hiring manager um, is a good reporting good reporting skills. I, we want reporters. That's the number one thing. Um, it kind of gets back to that interview thing we were talking about earlier. Do they do their homework? Do they know how to report? Do they know how to dig in? Do they, are they not satisfied with talking to one, two, three people and still not maybe have the full story? Will they call that third person or that fourth person or that fifth person? Um, because they're just going to make darn sure that they get uh, all the information that they need in a story. So what I like to say is I, I like to hire reporters who want to write. I don't necessarily look for writers, not that those two things are exclusive, but I, mm -hmm. we really look for reporters here because that that skill is um, something you can teach a little bit, but it's also kind of inherent. You just have to have that inherent inquisitiveness and curiosity. So that's one of the biggest things I look for. How would you differentiate reporting and writing? Well, you know, any more with the many ways that we are getting information out there. I mean, we're doing regular stories that where we need good writing. I mean, you have to have cl clear writing, but we're doing video, we're doing webinars like like what we're doing here today. Um, we get information out through Twitter and Facebook and so many different venues, but it all comes down to having the right information to put in front of the readers, as, as, right. as you said, and and knowing those readers. I mean, there's, there's certainly high degree of you, you need to know who your readers are and what they need. Um, but but what I find is, is that good reporting skills, getting that information out there is is really the first step. Mm -hmm. Then it's OK, if we're going to do it in a news story, you know, we if it, it, I mean, we've had some people that have had more broadcast background and are doing more textual writing these days and you have to work with them on their writing skills that's fine you can you can work with that you can usually if the desire is there and if they know how to communicate you can you can get those things going um same thing on the video side i mean we i don't like being on this side of the camera to be quite honest um but you know you get used to it and you figure out uh the, the good ways to do that i didn't do any broadcast uh, things in college or, or really in any of the jobs until I landed here. And that was more uh, because of the time, you know, we're just not just, we're not just, we're just not writing reporters anymore. We're visual reporters as well. And so, so you, you can learn some of those skills um, and, and you have to be in an environment where you can work with people and get them to teach those skills too. Yeah. 
I was kind of the opposite. I had a lot of broadcast experience in college. Um, and then I came into a writing position and um, I find that my writing's a little bit more conversational because of my broadcast mm -hmm. experience. Right. People have told me this and now I'm relating on to people that are younger than me. Writing is the foundation for almost everything. If you can for write, sure. then that can get you to other places. For example, since I know how to write for the videos I do, I can write a script for that and that's necessary for video production. So it's the foundation of almost everything. And that kind of leads into my next question of, I know communicators wear a lot of hats. We talk mm -hmm. about being a visual reporter. We talk about maybe you have to do video and social media and they have to know how to do a lot of things. So how would you comment on that as a young person coming in um, and having to be a jack of all trades, learning um, to be someone that can do video, they can do audio or they can write as well? That's a really good point. And I, yeah, and I don't want to downplay the writing at all because yeah, right. you're, I mean, you're right. Being able to put a complete thought down in sentences and in paragraphs that work together that, that mm -hmm. inform the audience is, is ab absolutely the foundation to everything that we do on the communication side. Um, yeah. If you can, if you can put a good story together, um, you can probably put a good script together. You can probably think through the process that you would need to, to talk, you know, either in audio or, or in a video uh, live. Uh, those are, those are all really basic skills and, and right. If, if someone wants to be in journalism, um, the two things really are, are the desire to report and to, to get to the bottom of things and figure things out. Um, and that's just good work ethic. And the other one is to, to develop your writing skills. If your writing skills aren't that great, work on them, you know, take the classes that you need, get, get some, get, get a mentor to help you um, read a lot. And we always say, you know, read is the best way to learn good writing is mm -hmm. to read good writing. Um, and I guess that's the point, read good writing, not just read anything. Um, but, yeah. So, so having that basic skill, I think is, you're exactly right, is, is very critical. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, it's just a mess, me method of, of learning the medium. Um, and, you know, we'll all be better at some things than we are at others. Some, mm -hmm. you know, some folks are really excellent writers, not so great in front of the camera for whatever right. reason and the vice versa, you know, some, mm -hmm. some, yeah. but, 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 but if you can have good writing skills, you can, you can do the other. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing they always taught us in um, my class and broadcast is even though we're doing video, you need to be a good writer as well. Write the script before you produce the video. Another piece of advice kind of the, while we're on this topic of um, sharing of how to build a team of writers, that is one of the best pieces of advice that I always got when I was in school is just to simply show up. Can you maybe talk about the importance of showing up? Uh, it sort of goes back to my original comment about the the interview that I didn't know was an interview. I mean, yeah, just as a photographer professor used to famously say, "F eight and be there," you know, be present, be, be yeah, show up and and mm -hmm. be willing to dive into whatever's going on. Um, and and boy, those things can can um, the need to do that can pop up all the time. You never know when a story is going to present itself. We, I mean, a perfect example of that just happened a couple of days ago. There was a, an, a phone call with USDA. Uh, everybody thought was sort of a mechanical phone call. And there was news reporters from 
AP and Dow Jones and Reuters and us and Bloomberg and all kinds of places on the phone call. And everybody was expecting some kind of mechanical conversation. And suddenly we realized that they were announcing something and this was a news event. And I've never seen so many reporters, myself included, be, be caught flat-footed. We were all scrambling to get our phones to start recording what these guys were saying because yeah. we it suddenly was a news event mm -hmm. um, and needed to be written about. And so, yeah, be there and be ready. <laughs> I wasn't in that case. The only good thing was neither was anybody else. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but be yeah when you're a when you're a journalist you're kind of on all the time I mean mm -hmm. you just really are and if you're traveling around the country I mean gosh any of the folks that are on this uh, web webinar know that you know you're driving across it drives our spouses and family crazy because you're driving across the country and you see something happening you're like oh wait I gotta stop I gotta get this picture oh, I gotta go talk to this guy yeah. you know I was in Germany on vacation and there just happened to be a combine harvesting grain and I spent the afternoon talking to the family out on the side of the road and, and got some great information out of it kind of made my wife a little crazy because she was like, well, you go on to the next thing, but yeah. Yeah. No, so be, be there. Your point, your point is yeah. be there and be, be engaged is really, really important. Especially me. I tend to get in my own comfort zone. And then when there's an opportunity to get a story or be, whether it's the first to tweet about something, whether it's a hot topic news, I've learned to get out of my comfort zone because I learn more things if I get out of my comfort zone. And um, I also make mistakes. That's how I've gotten better as a writer, I believe, is making those mistakes, people being critiquing my writing, and then I'm able to move forward. So I think yeah. that's great. Re re really good points. I mean, yeah, we're, we all are growing as writers all the time. I mean, it's, it's a continual process. It really is. You just keep learning new things. And sometimes you have to relearn things because you right. forget them if you don't get a chance to write in a certain way for a while. You have mm -hmm. to, to relearn them. And um, the the point about uh pushing your comfort zone, I think is, is, is very important. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I look for when I look at new reporters, potential reporters to come to work for me is what have they covered and what are some of the things that they've done that have not been fun? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I hated this, but one of the things I had to do as a young reporter uh, on a newspaper staff was, you know, cover car crashes and talk to the family of people yeah. that had just passed away. Mm -hmm. And it is the worst thing in the world to have to do. But it, that was getting me out of my comfort zone. And I learned that if I could do that, um, talking to farmers about financial troubles or, you know, other kinds of really sensitive issues uh, was was mm -hmm. still not fun, but it was easier if you if you do that. So really good point. Greg, I'm kind of curious, what is the hardest thing, in your opinion, about being editor-in-chief? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> well, I guess two things. Um, it, the hardest thing about being the boss is keeping the, the ship alive, you know, doing the budgets and figuring out what you're going to do with, with those kinds of things. I mean, quite frankly, the hardest thing is, and, and this happens, is when we have to uh, let people go. You know that to be really frank about it, that's that's the hardest thing in the business. Um, if I've always said that if it's if if you've got people on your staff that it's easy to let go, then you're not doing a, your job as a manager because that person was miscast or mm -hmm. didn't grow or whatever. So, um, you know, agriculture is a cyclical business. Um, I've been in it long enough to know that there's times when staffs expand and then there's times when staffs decline. And we've seen that and we're, we've seen that here recently in, in some cases. Um, and that's, you know, that's really tough to do. I say that because 
for those of you that haven't had to go through that, and I've been on both sides of that coin. <laughs> I've, I've had to be the one to let people go, and I've been the one that's been let go. Um, there's always life after that stuff. It, you know, you, you take your experiences that you've got. If, if there was a reason why you didn't mix with the team that was there, and that's part of the reason, you know, why you were, why you were the one dismissed, um, you know, figure out what those things are and work on them and, and move on. Um, <laughs> You know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was to get fired. So um, uh, I learned a lot from that and um, ended up where I am now. So, yeah, yeah so, it, uh, no. so it's it, it's a process and don't don't get too discouraged by it. No, I'm really glad you mentioned that, because I think nowadays people, including myself, we're all quick to say what's worked so well for us. But sometimes we don't like to share the bad things that happen to our career, such as you say, getting fired, but that turning out to be a big lesson and one of the things that's propelled you forward. So um, thanks for sharing that because yeah, I know it's not easy. So, yeah. yeah. And, but the flip side of that is, you know, most of the days um, you're watching your team grow, you're watching them work together and it's, it's, it's incredible amount of fun um, to see individuals who typically don't, I mean, journalists are kind of an individual lone wolf crowd. Mm -hmm. And so we typically stick to our own and we don't really want to share things with others, but getting that going and watching people working together on stories and watching teams come together that really dig into an issue and push each other and be competitive in a positive way. It, it's an incredible amount of fun. I, yeah. I, I'd love to see that happen. I'm getting so much out of this conversation. I wish it could last an hour, but unfortunately, <laughs> we all don't have the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But one of the things, Greg, about this podcast, and I was so eager to start it, was I firmly believe that one can never stop learning, no matter if you're my age, 23, or you're towards the end of your career. No one can ever stop learning. So what are those tools, Greg, that you use to keep learning in your own career? Uh, well, the biggest thing is just, you know, stay inquisitive, um, you know, constantly be learning new things. Um, if you get the chance to travel, uh, which I have been fortunate in my career to, to travel to a lot of places, uh, different cultures, um, do that. Take those chances that gets back to your getting out of your comfort zone thing again. Um you know, learn other cultures, be around other cultures, uh, mm -hmm. study those kinds of things before you get a chance to do that, even if it's just for vacation, you know, but but get out and really get amongst the folks and, and have some fun with that. Um, you know, reading is probably the, 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 the biggest thing is mm -hmm. keeping up on current events. And if there's something that you don't know a lot about, um, you know, learn more about those things. I mean, now we're, we're a global company um, and are having to know a lot more about what's going on with Brexit, for example, and some of the issues going on in the, in the, in the European Union, not just from the standpoint of what does it mean to the crop farmers in the United States and trade and all those kind of issues, but really what's going on in those countries and how, how might we, you know, play a role in that. So it's, yeah, you just have to focus on reading and stay hungry and stay enthusiastic about learning. Yep. Greg, we do have a question from Emma and okay. I will share. Hi, Emma. Emma wants to know, she said, what's your opinion on designed resumes versus traditional resumes? Which is a very good question That's because a, that I is a, tend to have a designed resume. So I'm it's eager. a great, it's a great question. I, I, I tend to not 
I, I like a good design resume, especially if it's a position which may have some graphic kinds of things around it. The, the fact that you can show that you, even if you didn't do it, you appreciate it or you hired somebody to, to, to make it look nice, I think is nice. I also, I don't throw away if somebody sends me, you know, courier type, I don't throw that out. I, I'm much more interested in what's on the resume than, than what it looks like, but there's no doubt look, it's just, you know, you don't show up for an interview with holes in your jeans. You show up in a, in a, in whatever clothing you think is appropriate for the position that you're looking at unless holes in your jeans is the appropriate thing to wear, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, the biggest thing I look for in a resume is, um, is what's on it. And, and that the, again, that it's clear and that the, there, some thought was put into it and it makes sense and it flows and, and you can sort of figure out who the person is, uh, from that. Um, and obviously the nicer it looks, I mean, it doesn't hurt. Um, I, 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 I said, I don't, I won't throw one away just because it's mm -hmm. plain, but certainly one that's, pleasant to look at and in attention grabbing gets you to the top of the stack. So, you know, put some, put some investment in that too. I will add to that. One of the things that I've done, which I'm surprised that no, not more people do, or people haven't told me that they do is on my business cards and on my resumes. I have a picture of myself so people can see who, who I am. I'm a very visual person. And um, I like to know kind of what the person I'm talking to, what they look like or who they are and things like that. And so yep. I have a picture on mine and I don't know if it works. It might, I don't know, but I, I'm the same way, Emma. I kind of, mine's more of a design resume because I was told one time some, I don't know if they do this, but I was told this, an HR person will just hold the resume out full length, look at it. And if it looks like too full or cluttered, they'll throw it to the ground. And I got so <laughs> nervous and they said, white space is your friend. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that, that's a good point. And that gets back to, I mean, one, something I didn't say about the question from Emma was also, it gets back to doing your homework. Who are you sending this resume to? Mm -hmm. If it's to an HR department, which these days, I mean, when I first started in this job, everything sort of came to me. Now we're such much of a bigger company now and we have a full right. HR department and they, they do a lot of that front end stuff. So yeah, if you've got an HR director that you're sending these things to, um, you know, certainly the nicer it looks you know, it, it's going to help with most our HR people. They're looking for those kinds mm -hmm. of things. Um, if you're, you know, if you're emailing it directly to me, for example, or whoever the boss is uh, that you're applying to, mm -hmm. just know what that person is looking for and, and even ask. So what do you yeah. want to see? You know, uh, what, what else do you want along with this package or whatever? And uh, again, it gets back to just doing your homework. Yeah. Great question, Emma. Thank you for asking. One of the other things I've been asking, and I know this is kind of me keep going back to the age I am, but I'm always curious to know from seasoned veterans, what is your advice to young journalists? Hmm. Well, uh, we've, we've probably hit on a lot of them, but the biggest thing is, is if you want to be a journalist, um, you know, if you want, there are so many different careers in ag communications that you can, that you can do. And so some of this transfers and some of it doesn't, but if you want to be a journalist, be a journalist. Get as much reporting experience as you can. Um, if if that desire starts in high school, be a reporter in high school. Figure out where you can where you can do things. If that if that starts in college, you know, get as much experience as be on the newspaper staff, be on the magazine staff. Do everything you can. Um, because two things will happen. You'll get experience, you'll get comfortable, you'll decide whether you like it or not. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's a really big thing. Um, 
the other thing is, is you'll have a fatter clip book, a fatter resume uh, uh, example book to, to pull from so that if you, you know, if you show up with five really good things because you started out with 50, um, that's a lot, that's going to be better for you than if you yeah. do the minimum amount of work and have, you know, just a minimum amount of, of, of the samples to show mm -hmm. and get lots of broad experiences too. I mean, to, in today's world, um, again, I'm looking for reporting skills. I'm looking for writing skills, but if you've right. done video, if you've done those other kinds of medium, um, show examples of that as well. That is good advice getting started as soon as possible because I was always taught, and I think this is great advice, internships are great for figuring out what you do want to do and what you yeah. don't because you don't want to get into a career six months down the road and think, no, this isn't what I want to do, and yeah. you wasted those. Well, maybe not wasted. Maybe hopefully you learned a thing or two, but you get this one chance to live, and I think if you aren't doing something you're passionate about, then you need to find what it is so that you can – really serve this world in one well, capacity or the other well said well said yeah yeah internships uh are very important i mean we we don't have one on staff right this year but but we usually have an intern around here and and a lot of times we've either hired them or wished we could have hired them yeah. um you know so it's so not only are you getting experiences but you're also getting exposure that could end up being a job so mm -hmm. greg i know we're wrapping up is there anything else that you would like to add uh, well, we've hit a lot of things. Uh, you know, I think the biggest things are um, if you if you we need good journalists in this world. Um, they're becoming fewer and fewer and fewer. Um, and those of us that have been doing it for a while now, you know, I'm I'm being a boss. I don't get to be a, a real journalist anymore <laughs> very often. Um, so you know, we need you. We need inquisitive minds. We need people that want to not just tell stories but help. In the, in the ag business, help farmers farm, help them make money, help them help them in their careers. And um, so if you find any of that interesting, work hard and, and give me a call. I think you just dropped my, the mic there. I don't think I could end <laughs> with anything better. But thank you so much, Craig, for coming on and sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience, your career thoughts. These kind of live streams makes me so excited for the community that I'm a part of and specifically in ad communications. And every day what I'm doing reassures that I'm in the right industry and talking to people like you. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for all this work. We really appreciate it at AAEA as well. So, Greg, again, thank you so much. Thank um, you. Well, thanks everybody thank that joined today yeah. and good luck to everybody. Yeah. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And like I said, you can catch the full video of this after the live stream's over, or you can tune in on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks everyone. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.